0: morning. Good morning. If you'd like to take your seats, we'll be starting um, in a few moments. Mm. (coughs) Good morning. My name's Andrew. It's great to have you with us uh, this morning. If you're here for the first time, a very warm welcome uh, to you, uh, and we hope you enjoy um, being part of us uh, this morning. Uh, As I was um, preparing for this week. Um, I was reminded of a um, story in the Bible, and a picture is going to come up on the screen in a moment, and I'm wondering if any of the children can tell me what story I remembered. Oh. Go on, Henry.
1: It's when um, nobody had food, and Jesus shared bread and fish with everyone
0: right, the feeding of the 5,000 so now what was I thinking with that story or what, what was God trying to say well it then reminded me about um, a part of our morning meetings which is where we share contributions And um, you may be like me where sometimes I'll come up and think well, I haven't really got anything well, what I've got isn't really that good I don't feel like it's worth sharing and maybe that's what the boy felt like in this story that he didn't really have enough to feed all of those people, but through Jesus, Jesus used what that boy had given and multiplied it and um, was able to feed a lot of people. And that's what I'd encourage you this morning it's not about what you bring, it's not about the Bible verse or how much uh, how well you can speak up the front, but it's about being willing to give what God has given you and to share that. Um, for us as a church to be able to grow and for Jesus to use that to help us grow as a church and individually. So if you've got something that you'd like to share this morning, um, please come and speak to myself and Rob. We'll find a time to fit that in. However young or however old you are, you're all willing to come and um, and able to come and uh, share something this morning. Um, So please do. Uh, After a few songs, um, Ben will be uh, letting the children, uh, telling children when to go down to their groups can go out either doors um, here and um, a little bit later on Richard will be um, uh, speaking to us looking ahead to Easter Um, so over to Ben.
1: Thanks Andrew. Morning everybody welcome Uh, my name is Ben and we're going to spend some time now in worship so if you're willing and able
2: please feel free to stand.
1: Lord we do want
2: to worship you this morning Lord we want to um, declare that we love you, we want to declare that you alone are worthy of our adoration you alone are worthy of our praise and Holy Spirit would you just help us to fix our eyes on you this morning Lord may we bless you as we worship
1: Amen Justice shines like the sun. I sing for all that you've done for me.
0: Jesus, I sing.
1: Whoa. Jesus, I sing.
3: If you have a child um, who is in year six or below, uh, parents, if you could accompany your children downstairs, that would be great. Just so that we know that they have a parent here and that they're registered and we have all the information that they need downstairs in their groups. If you uh, have not been with us before, you can go out of this door or this door and follow the crowds. They'll, somebody will show you where you need to go.
2: See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called... The children of God. See what great love... The Father has lavished on us. That we should be called... The children of God. See what... The great, great love... The Father has lavished on us... That we should be called... The children of God. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to enjoy God's love this morning. And God's love is all-encompassing. It's, it's, it's like a picture of the, of the tide coming in and it comes up the beach and it floods everything that's in its way and you've seen those pictures of children's sandcastles the most incredible marvelous sandcastles built on the beach but the tide comes in and it it levels it and there's nothing left and that's what God's love does and it comes in this morning to our hearts and it It flattens those castles that we build around ourselves to protect us. And you know, God's love is amazing, but in any love relationship, there's always a responsibility. We can't just take, 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 and think, well, this is all right, my sin doesn't matter, this doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, because God loves me. Yes, he does. And I just have a real sense this morning that there may be two things, and I've searched my own heart. There's two things that, that God wants us, may want some of us to face up to, and it's it's unforgiveness and it's broken relationships. And you can't have, enjoy God's love to its full if there's broken relationships. And you know, sometimes a broken relationship or something you've said or done, it could go back years and years. Years don't make any difference. And I I just pray that as I've searched my own heart, that God will set you free this morning to put anything right. Because putting things right is such such a wonderful exercise of freedom and joy. And perhaps if, if Rob will allow, perhaps we could just have just a minute in, in, just just to be quiet and and you ask God, is there anything that is spoiling my relationship with you, Father, because my relationship isn't right with someone else in this epistle john John goes on to say you can't you can't love God and hate your brother in other words, you can't love God if you don't love everybody as much as you love god it's It's very testing I know it's not easy let's just ask God to touch our hearts.
4: That's really apt as we are Entering Holy Week to reflect on what Jesus has done for us through his love, through the way in which he has taken everything upon himself in order that we can be accepted by our Lord. We're just going to sing in worship song now, thank you for the cross as we just sing that. Let's just reflect upon what Anthony was saying about God's love, recognizing his love for us, just allowing that to flow over and into our lives so we can be living in God's love.
5: Anthony spoke about um, a beach and and the waters rolling in the sea, rolling in and and washing away what's there. But there are some beaches where if we stand on the sand when the tide comes in, we sink down into that sand and we get caught in it and it's quite perilous. Uh, And as Anthony was saying that, I could... uh, I I could... um, envisage uh, like a child crying out as they got sucked down into that sand, uh, and uh, a a a parent putting their hands under the armpits of that child and lifting them out. And I was reminded of Psalm 40, which I'd like to read. The psalmist cries out, "I I waited patiently for the Lord, He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to sand. And he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord who doesn't look around to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but my ears you have opened Burnt offerings and sin offerings you didn't require. Then I said, here I am. I've come. It's written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Yes, he lifts us out of the slimy pit and sets our feet on a rock. Thank you,
0: Chris. Thank you, uh, Ben and the band. Um, We've now got Mel that's going to be coming up to um, share a uh, testimony with us. So, Mel.
6: Well... As Andrew said, I'm Mel, and I'd like to tell you about the power of prayer. About 18 months ago, uh, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. Uh, We prayed that the offered surgery and chemotherapy would solve the problem. It didn't. So after the removal of uh, a third cancer, I was offered the option of immunotherapy, which my consultant explained could have A number of very, very unpleasant side effects. Uh, I decided to go ahead uh, knowing that my house group and many others uh, would be praying for me. Uh, I can now say that the cancer is completely gone and I have suffered. (laughs) Thank you. And I have suffered none of the side effects. So that's even better now my treatment continues uh, more of the immunotherapy uh, until the end of the year so please keep praying but praying works and god really is good andrew can i hand back?
7: i have to wear the glasses otherwise i can't read the words or my arms aren't long enough i haven't worked it out Um, While we were singing the song where it says, um, God will rescue us, it reminded me of, um, I've been to a couple of the Lent meetings, and we're talking about Peter, Um, and um, the week just gone, we were actually talking about when he denies Jesus, but when we were talking after the person had spoken, we were talking about, I quite like Peter, because he makes mistakes, and he's a bit impetuous, and he's not perfect, but God used him, but it reminded us of when Peter walked on the water, and that song reminded me. So Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. I want to come to you, Lord. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. So God says, cut. Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out and walks on the water. But then he takes his eyes off Jesus and realises that he's walking on water and starts sinking. Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reaches out and rescues him. Jesus didn't say, oh, you wombat. What are you doing? And then rescue him. He rescued him first and then said, why did you doubt? And when they got back in the boat. And it made me think that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will rescue us. Focus on him. And he will rescue us. He might challenge us afterwards, but he will rescue us and look after us first.
0: Thank you, Sean. Uh, now going to invite Richard to come up and um, bring god word god, bring God's word to us, um, and hopefully I don't have a tongue tie after that
3: <laughs> i don't know if you ever wonder what the children downstairs think we do up here. Um, my grandchildren this morning asked me what I was preaching on or what I was talking about and they, they asked me if I was talking about cheese. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not. <clears throat> I, I, don't know about, I don't know about you but um, I, I'm a bit apprehensive. It's not easy preaching, especially for the first time in a place. It's probably not very easy or a little bit apprehensive if it's the first time you've ever heard someone preach and you wonder what uh, it's gonna be like. But I'm I'm gonna ask for your help this morning. I know it's sort of tradition that we bow our heads when somebody preaches and and pretend we're praying or looking at the Bible or something. Um, What I'm gonna ask you to do, if you could occasionally look up, and if I catch your eye, if you could smile even if you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, or wave, wave, yeah. Um, that, that, that would be re- really helpful. Um, but there we are. Um, thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are waiting. Abide with us, we pray. Here we are longing for you. Hide us in your love. And bring us to our knees. But most of all, may we know Jesus more and more. Amen. Last week, Rob concluded our series called Walking with God. And through that series, we were thinking about how we walk with God as Christians. Under the authority of the Bible, in the light of the gospel of grace. And as we interact with people that we meet in the culture of the day, well, oh, I was right. Jesus, God incarnate, walked on earth. He walked from the border of Galilee in the north to the temple in Jerusalem. But he didn't walk alone, his disciples walked with him. And as Jesus, God incarnate walked, he met ordinary people, and he came up against the culture of the day, which was often represented by the religious leaders. And this morning, I would like us to walk with Jesus on his last journey to Jerusalem. And I'd like us to meet six people that Jesus met. And as we do this, you you might like to think about who it is that you most identify with. If you want to follow this uh, in your Bibles, most of it's documented in chapters 17 to 19 of Luke's Gospel. Let's start. Now on his way to Jerusalem, we read, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, "'Jesus, Master, have pity, have compassion on us.'" Well, you know, don't you, that people who suffered from leprosy lived their lives on the very edge of society. They were outcasts from society in general and from the worshiping community in particular. So they stood at a distance. They were used to standing at a distance. And they shouted at Jesus, have mercy, have compassion on us. And Jesus did. He heals all 10 of them. But only one returns to say thank you to Jesus. And we read that he was a Samaritan. Now Samaritans, coming from Samaria, were seen as foreigners by the Jews in Judea. And they were never accepted as true worshippers of God. If you want to know why, read the historical books in the Old Testament this afternoon and you'll find out why. But this person knew what it was to be doubly excluded. He was a leper and a Samaritan. And yet it is to this foreigner that Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And I think Jesus here was saying, not that your faith has made you well of leprosy, but through faith you have been healed in your whole person, body and spirit. I think in the eyes of Jesus now, this Samaritan was now fully accepted by God and could be called one of God's people. Jesus continued walking down into an area called Perea. And there we read in chapter 18, verse 15 of Luke, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. The mothers, possibly the fathers, almost certainly the grandparents who brought these children wanted these young children to be blessed by meeting Jesus and for Jesus to to hug them because I think that's what the word um, sort of literally means. But look at the response of the disciples. They rebuked them. The disciples told them off, they shooed them away. Why? Why? Well, children weren't really seen as proper people, not that important. They were unable to take part in religious life, unable to fully understand the laws and expectations required to worship God or follow Jesus. And therefore, the disciples thought not worthy of an audience with Jesus. But Jesus knew better. He knew that acceptance by God was less to do with understanding rules and so on, but it was all about trust. And so he challenges the disciples about their need not of understanding and obedience, but their need to be like children and to have a childlike trust in him. Because Jesus says, only then could they be accepted by God and enter his kingdom. As Jesus walked on, we read that he he met a certain ruler. And the ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. This wealthy, religious, respected young man had everything that the culture of the day valued. He had so much going for him, but he knew something was missing. And Jesus challenges him, and Jesus challenges him. Not there, it doesn't. That looks better, doesn't it? Jesus is still challenging him. All right? He challenges him about trusting in his wealth, trusting in his good works, rather than trusting in God and following Jesus. And so we read in verse 23 that... He became very sad. I think another um, version says, he went away sad. Now, to the disciples, this was really, really confusing. If not this man, they said, who then can be saved? Why did they ask that? Why did they say that? Well, because in the culture of the day, rich religious people were obviously under God's blessing because they were rich and because they were following the rules. And so surely they of all people could be assured of eternal life and being accepted by God. Whereas poor people, well, they should be concerned about their eternal future because they had no evidence that God was blessing them. No evidence that God had accepted them. Let's carry on with the journey. And we see that Jesus approached Jericho. And there a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. At the time of Jesus, those who had a physical disability were excluded from much of the religious life of the community. So the lame and the blind were kept out of the temple. If you want to know why, go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5 this afternoon and have a look. But also, this man's blindness kept him from being able to play a full part in everyday life. He was a beggar. He was on the side of the road, on the margins of society. So when he shouted out, he was told in no uncertain terms to be quiet. But this blind man, and and we'll call him Bartimaeus, shall we, this blind man kept shouting above the shushing, until Jesus heard his cry for mercy, for compassion. And Jesus healed him. Well, actually, no, he didn't straight away. What Jesus did was give Bartimaeus the dignity of asking him what it was that Bartimaeus wanted Jesus to do for him. And Bartimaeus said, as we know, Lord, I want to see, I want to see. And Jesus did heal him. And we read that Bartimaeus stood up and followed Jesus along the road. Moving on. Jesus entered Jericho, we read in Luke 19 verse 1, and was passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus uh, was there. And he was a tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house for tea. I think I've just quoted a different version there, haven't I? Now, I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus knew things were wrong in his life. But I don't suppose there was anyone who he felt he could turn to. Nobody that he felt he could go to ask. And so he climbs a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. I I think he must have heard that Jesus was different and he wanted to see him. And to the shock and surprise of Zacchaeus, Jesus looked him in the eye and said, I want to share a meal with you. But again, notice the reaction of the onlookers. They began to mutter. This man, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Muttering, I think, is a universal reaction. When somebody does something we don't agree with, we mutter. And they muttered because Jesus was eating a meal With a sinner. And Zacchaeus, let's be fair, Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was a cheating, swindling, hated tax collector who, by collaborating with the Romans, was also seen as a traitor to God's people. And so he was ostracized, he was excluded. But to eat with a person, well, that's to, in some way, to accept them. And because Jesus showed he wasn't there to condemn him, Zacchaeus put his faith and trust in Jesus. And you know, the story ends, doesn't it, with Zacchaeus turning his life around and Jesus proclaiming this sinner to be a son of Abraham. And that phrase, that term, son of Abraham, is a rich cultural term used in those days of someone who was, recognized to be truly part of God's people, a true worshiper of God. Now, we just have to pop over to John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And there we see that after Jericho, Jesus enters Bethany, and he eats a meal. And at this meal, we read that Martha served... Lazarus, well, he just rested, and their sister Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with expensive perfume. You'll remember the story. But again, what was the reaction of the people at the mill? They were indignant. Indignant. Furious, perhaps, the word might be translated. Why were they so indignant? Well, because it was wasteful. The money from selling it could have been used for more useful purposes, like a bit of charity, or perhaps keeping a bit as an insurance policy against a rainy day. And I think Judas had other ideas of what might be, the money might be used for as well. But I wonder, I wonder if there would have been the same reaction if a man, say... Lazarus, who was there, Lazarus who had just recently been raised from the dead by Jesus, if he had made a similar gesture, I wonder if there had been the same reaction. Now, I don't know. That's for you to think about and discuss over coffee or something. But I do know that women at the time of Jesus were not accepted as full members of the worshiping community. I do know that Mary had to battle against expectations to be able to take up a place of learning at the feet of Jesus. And we read that in Luke 10. And I do know that although the onlookers were indignant at this wasteful action, Jesus commended Mary's act. Why are you bothering this woman, he says. She has done a beautiful thing beautiful because, Jesus says, it it acknowledged his very reason for being there. It acknowledged his impending death and sacrifice. Something that the men around Jesus were finding it really hard to get their heads around or accept at that time. If you continued reading through Luke chapter 9, you'll see that Jesus next arrives at Bethphage. He collects his donkey rides into Jerusalem, the event that traditionally the church celebrates today, Palm Sunday. And then Jesus enters the temple. He's finished his journey, perhaps. Okay, let's try and draw this together. Although, hopefully, you've already been drawing some of your own conclusions. But here are some of my pointers or thoughts. Firstly... I wonder how the people Jesus met on his long walk down to Jerusalem. I wonder how they felt about themselves. I wonder how they would have defined their identity. Apart from the rich young ruler, they were all, for one reason or another, excluded from the worshiping community, or at least not allowed to be fully included. Many of them were seen to be unacceptable to God. And they were also on the fringes of society, outcasts, or at least not seen as full members of society. And so I think they knew, they knew in themselves, and even the rich young ruler knew this, that they were missing something or missing out on something. They had a sense, perhaps, of being lost, certainly in some way unacceptable, in need of some sort of healing, and certainly in need of some compassion and love. And they met Jesus. They met Jesus. I wonder, I wonder this morning, do you in some way identify with the people that Jesus met? But secondly let's think about how the onlookers reacted to those who Jesus met. The onlookers, and sometimes it was the disciples, sometimes it was the religious leaders, sometimes it was the crowd around. But the onlookers generally were conditioned by the culture of the day, particularly the religious culture of the day. More often than not, these onlookers saw these people that Jesus met as not good enough, sometimes even an affront to their values. And so the common reaction by the onlookers was that they rebuked them and told them off, or they told them to be quiet, or they muttered, or they kept them at a distance. But mostly, they were indignant (laughs) indignant That's not a word we use much today in everyday life. It means a feeling of anger because of something unjust or unworthy. The onlookers looked at the people Jesus met and thought they were unworthy. They looked at what Jesus, how Jesus reacted to them, and they thought that was unjust and not right. Why? Why did they think this? Well, because then, as today, in any culture, religious or secular, to be accepted, you have to sign up to a list of rules and regulations and rituals. Things which have been developed to protect the values of that culture. The truth, inverted commas, the truth as seen by that culture. And that is what the Pharisees had done at the time of Jesus. They had developed their own truth. I think this is what all cultural leaders do. And of course, this ultimately leads to those who follow the rules and regulations and rituals. It leads to them becoming increasingly self-righteous. And ultimately hypocritical and intolerant. And of course, those who cannot follow or will not follow... rules and regulations and rituals of that culture while they become increasingly unacceptable excluded unable to play a part within that culture cancelled we might say today i wonder i wonder if we examined our hearts whether we could identify sometimes with the reactions of these onlookers But what about Jesus? What was his reaction to the people he met on his walk? Well, consistently, his reaction was not cancelling, but compassion. It was not about the need to follow rules, but the need for a relationship of trust. It was not focused on, on, a, on obeying a truth, but in receiving love. And why? Why was Jesus so different? Well, where was Jesus walking to? Jerusalem, yes. The temple, yes. But ultimately, the path that Jesus was following led to the cross. Can you see it there? It is there, isn't it? Just, that was the path. That's where Jesus was walking to, the cross. And on the cross, in his death, Jesus, God incarnate, held the divine truth of God's holiness and righteousness in one hand. And the truth of divine love and grace, the love and grace of God for people in the other hand. And he held them in perfect balance. So that that we, you and I, others, Who know that we are broken, who know that we are lost, unacceptable, not good enough. Sinners, sinners who could never reach God's standards of holiness by keeping rules and trying harder and doing better, so that we, through simple trust in Him, could know, could know that sense of worth and value, could know that eternal security that belongs to those who have been accepted by God into his kingdom, adopted into his family. Why? Because at the cross, God lavished his love on us that we should be called the children of God. I think we've heard that before. And if we know our need and have cried out to Jesus in faith and trust in him, then, to reiterate it, that's almost right. That's a shame. That's my climax, and it's gone wrong. Do you know what it says? Can you read it? Can you say it again? Can we all say it? And that is what we are, children of God if we have know our, our need and have called upon Jesus for mercy and compassion, we have been made children of God, and that is what we are. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you came to earth and walked among us and showed love and compassion to those who needed. Dear God, we thank you that you walked right up to the cross. And there you showed your grace and mercy for us so that we could be your children. Dear God, may we walk with you day by day as your children. Because in Jesus, that is what we are. Amen.
4: Thank you, Richard. Let's just spend a moment just to reflect upon that just think about being a child of God to be accepted by Jesus by our father as his children there's a challenge there isn't there as as Richard has been sharing with us in terms of where we are at where we are at with Jesus Do we know him as our saviour? Does he recognise us as one of his children? Because he's there for each of us, each of us to respond. And if you feel maybe that you're on the outside looking in, then come and talk to one of us at the end so we can talk to you and explain how you can actually become a child of God. Because we don't want people to be on the outside looking in. We want you to be part of God's family. It's so important. And Jesus wants that too. Keith, would you like to just come and share? Keith, wanted you just to share something about this week being Holy Week and how important it is for us as a as a family. Is it easier for you to stand on the floor rather than stepping up? You're tall enough.
8: (laughs) The end of that journey which we've just heard about finished up with our Lord being crucified. One of the things which used to happen, and this is the background to this story, and I think it helps us understand the significance of that story. One of the things which used to happen when people were being executed in Jerusalem at this time A group of wealthy women used to attend these executions, which must have been a terrible thing to do in the the first place. And they used to offer the victims drugged wine. Our Lord tasted that wine. He realized what it was and then refused to drink it. He had shown a great deal of compassion, as we've already heard, to a lot of other people. When people offered him some compassion, he didn't take it. He didn't take it because he was going to suffer an enormous amount of pain, a terrible death, so that I and all other Christians can enter into an eternal existence. Matthew makes this point in his gospel when he talks about the veil of the temple splitting open uh, when our Lord died. That veil was the veil that Zacharias went behind to offer incense to God. And he had a vision about the birth of his son, John the Baptist. People outside that veil realized that something was going on inside it. But they couldn't go in to find out what it was because this was a very special place. This was the very presence of God and only a priest on a, on a yearly basis could enter there and burn incense to god matthew's uh, matthew's gospel tells us that when our lord died that rail was ripped from top to bottom the way into god's presence was opened for anybody who wants it and the writer to the epistle of the hebrews says to us who how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation Thank you, Rob.
4: Thank you, Keith. Okay, let's just bring our meeting to a conclusion. Uh, There's an important meeting tonight, church meeting tonight at 7.30. Please make every effort to attend. It's really good if we can have a a whole body there rather than just a few people. So please do make that a, a real effort tonight, 7.30. And also don't forget that on Friday... Uh, we are gathering, Good Friday, at the Scout Hub from 11 a.m., and I think that Karen has, uh, uh, has put something in the update about that, just to give you more details in terms of when that's going on. But that's from 11 till about 4 o'clock when you can actually spend all day there or drop in for part of it, depending on what your, your day is like. It's really good to have guests with us this morning. If you are a guest, um, you may have well have received a welcome package you came in, please make sure you fit in the Connect card and put it in the offering box so that we can have your details and be in touch with you. Uh, Make sure you keep an eye, too, on the update that comes out electronically every week just for details of coming events so you know exactly what's going on and don't miss out. So, parents, if you could actually speedily collect your children this morning, please. I think it's already just about 11.45, so time to collect them. So please make sure you do that promptly. Uh, There will be refreshments, everybody, over the back there. And as I said, if, if you feel that you are not yet a child of God, then please do come and talk to one of the leaders about that so that we can actually help you to find that peace. Let's just pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we thank you. It's so good to be together as your body, to share together, to worship together to pray together, to learn from your word together. And Father, as we just think about who you are and how you have brought us into your kingdom, we just ask that you would help us just to remember each of us as being part of that body, Lord, so that we can look after each other, share with each other, build each other up, encourage each other, strengthen each other through your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.